The views and opinions expressed on this show are purely the views and opinions of the person who made them and do not necessarily reflect or agree with those of the show's commercial sponsors, its radio station affiliates, or Internet broadcast platforms. As the restriction on our God-given right to free speech manifests itself throughout the world, we are inspired by Jesus Christ's immortal words, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And we reserve the rights to all our words. Thank you, and now enjoy the show. Learn who rules over you, simply find out who you're not allowed to criticise. You are listening to ACH, I'm Andy, your host. Today is Thursday, so it's time for my weekly visit of Dr. Peter Hammond. I'm going to bring him up right now. Peter, are you with me? I am. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. Always wonderful to have you on. Um, Folks, Peter's come up with a great presentation today, which is entitled The Real Story of how leftists create the very problems they complain about. So where would you like to start us off with this today, Peter? Well, Andrew, I I couldn't help but notice that continually you hear the leftists complain about, they're complaining about poverty, injustice, uh, sometimes uh, crime, racism, abuse, and so on. But as you look at their solutions that they always offering or the agendas that they're promoting, it's quite obvious that their very policies and agendas and what they're promoting are going to make the situation much, much worse. And it's obvious uh, to me in Africa as a missionary to persecuted churches, and I've traveled across 42 countries, I've ministered and worked in 38 countries over the last 38 years. And during this time, it's been absolutely crystal clear to me that Every single one of these so-called freedom fighters end up oppressing the people and making the people who they so-called liberated much worse off, much poorer, much more oppressed with far less rights than ever before. And there's all kinds of examples too. I mean, one of the most obvious uh, examples of this is the economic collapse of Marxist Zimbabwe. Here was Rhodesia, a country that was a breadbasket, a country that had the highest Uh, standards of living amongst black people in all of Africa, the highest standards of literacy and education. uh, And they also had the uh, greatest agricultural economy in Africa, second only to South Africa. And Rhodesia was exporting food. And uh, the moment it gets liberated with the support and pressure of, of course, the US State Department under Jimmy Carter and Andrew Young, and the promotion of the British Foreign Office and the EU and uh, all the way through to the uh, African Union, the United Nations, the Commonwealth, and so on. And suddenly, Zimbabwe destroys its economy by destroying the agriculture, by murdering the minority tribe of the Madabili. Uh, these are the liberators. As they oppress the people, 90% unemployment. The vast majority of the population in Zimbabwe is unemployed now. 
they destroyed the farms, they confiscated the land uh, that was owned by the 5,600 white commercial farmers who were feeding the whole country. And before you know it, they've got not just skyrocketing inflation, but it goes into hyperinflation where they need to drop off 16 zeros off the currency and still a hundred trillion dollar note. That's correct. A hundred trillion dollar note could not buy a half a loaf of bread. In fact, one brick cost more than every single business, home, farm, um, corporation, so on, in the whole of Rhodesia combined in 1980. Uh, and, and now uh, one brick by 2008 cost more than everything else before. It just shows how they destroyed the economy. And in fact, to this day, more than half of the total population of Zimbabwe live outside the country. They fled a vote of no confidence in the liberators. And that's just one example of how the uh, leftist agenda, the leftist policies create the very problems they complain about. Now, Zimbabwe needs millions of tons of free food aid every year to survive. Rhodesia never needed foreign aid. Rhodesia never needed food aid. Rhodesia exported food, even during droughts, even during the war. We never needed aid from outside. We were a self-sufficient country and nobody starved in Rhodesia. But under Marxist Zimbabwe, well, an absolute total catastrophic basket case. And you think of the poverty, the suffering, the abuse, which is afflicting so much of the world's population. These are the inevitable results of leftist policies and leftist solutions. The economic collapse of Marxist Zimbabwe is just one extreme example of how socialist solutions produce much worse problems. Take the lockdown lunacy that's destroyed millions of jobs worldwide. This is just another case where the cure is definitely worse than the disease. Or take uh, affirmative action or what they call in South Africa broad-based black economic empowerment or affirmative action. These race quotas fuel and aggravate the very racism they claim to want to end. How can you fight racism with more racism? And BBBEE affirmative action harms the very people they're meant to help. That's meant to help black people. Well, in fact, interestingly, affirmative action worldwide is meant to help minorities. But in South Africa and Zimbabwe, affirmative action is for the majority and to keep the minority out. In South Africa, we have 114 race-based laws to discriminate against blacks, to, uh, to discriminate against whites, I'm sorry, and to ensure that blacks get the jobs, the team position, the, whether it's sports, whatever it is, um, anything from bursaries, scholarships, awards, whatever, it's, it's all going on a basis of race, not on a basis of, of competence or achievement or anything like that. It's not earned, it's just entitled. And although this is meant to help the black people, it actually harms them. And as a missionary, I've seen this because it, it gives an attitude of entitlement and victimization. And what it does is encourages a laziness and a corruption and an incompetence that undermines the economy. It steals from the taxpayers. It chases away investors and job creators. It results in far greater unemployment and poverty and destitution and drug abuse and despair than ever before. So if you take South Africa, where in 1994, when Mandela became president, even after we had had a war and decades of sanctions, economic sanctions and boycotts and terrorism and all of that, uh, <clears throat> conscription and so on, uh, yet the South African rand was about uh, two rand to the dollar uh, at 1994. Uh, I remember back in the 70s when the rand was stronger than the pound and stronger than the dollar, but after decades of 
economic sanctions and war, it had gotten worn down uh, to only two to the dollar. But since then, it's down to 15, 16 or 17 rand to the dollar. So our money has employed, and that's with foreign aid, no sanctions, no war, no conscription. And isn't it extraordinary that while we had something in the region of 2 million unemployed when Mandela became president in 1994, today we have over 30 million unemployed and what the government dishonestly calls economically inactive and discouraged work seekers. So instead of having one category of unemployed, they've actually got three. Unemployed, discouraged work seekers, I can't tell the difference from unemployed, and then economically inactive, which is all basically the same thing. So they've gone from 2 million unemployed to 30 million unemployed in the country, which is more than our total population was back in 1994. And so for every year the ANC has been power, they've added another million unemployed to the ranks of the unemployed. And they've done this by BBBEE, affirmative action, corruption, overtaxation, chasing away the very job creators and investors that would have solved these problems and created a healthy economy. Our economy was in the minus even before the lockdown, uh, negative growth rate. Do you know that at this moment, in our country in South Africa, although our population has doubled since 1994, we are producing less electricity than was being produced back in 1994, even though the population has doubled. Zimbabwe, the uh, actual um, electricity production is less than Rhodesia's was back 50 years ago, 50 years ago, Rhodesia had uh, a larger electricity uh, provision than now. In fact, you can go back to 60 years ago when we created uh, Kariba, the first hydroelectric power plant in the whole of Central Africa. And the Kariba dam was providing more hydroelectric power, more electricity than we are getting in the whole of Zimbabwe today. So the population's quadrupled in the last 60 years and yet the electricity has gone down, the, the ability for it. Now, that's not unusual because they replaced a viable, working, merit-based free enterprise system with a socialist system, and socialism always manages to produce economic suicide by promoting a welfare state, socialists penalize productivity, and a reward inactivity. Socialist welfare always results in increasing taxation, overtaxation an escalating debt burden, and inevitably bankruptcy. Because socialism destroys initiative, it destroys incentive, it destroys industry, it destroys income. The unworkable wastage of welfare and socialism destroys all the initiative, incentive, industry, and income needed for a healthy economy. And the Bible's clear, you shall not steal, you shall not covet your neighbor's goods, or socialism is legalized theft, and it's institutionalized envy. And those who worship the idol of chance by squandering the earnings and gambling will end up as bankrupt as those who engage in unworkable wastage of welfare and socialism. In our countries and in the past, in South Africa, gambling was illegal. And the communists, when they got to power, one of the first things to do was legalize gambling. Mandela legalized gambling. And and the interesting thing, the sad thing is, that the people who do most of the gambling are the poorest people who can't afford to lose it. And you've got uh, the poor being uh, deceived by uh, very uh, dishonest adverts, big billboards, you could win a million. Well, they could lose everything they've got to, and they do. And uh, there's so many examples we know of people who've completely and utterly destroyed their lives. And they've got these casinos in 
as some of the poorest areas accessible to poorest com communities have got the lottos uh, where uh, you can see poor people queuing up and and squandering their earnings. Statistically, they've got a five times greater chance of being struck by lightning than winning the state lottery. And yet the people go into it and it's so dishonest and so irresponsible to encourage gambling amongst the poorest in the community. And statistically, it's the poorest people who do most of the gambling. So the, the policies of the leftist are creating the very problems that they're continually complaining about and campaigning against, but it's a direct result of their policies. So you take, for example, uh, the undermining of the foundations of society. The secular humanists, the leftists, the progressives, Marxists, and others, that they, they advocate alternative lifestyles. They promote homosexuality or lesbianism and bisexuality and gender confusion and LGBTQ and whatever else in the alphabet soup uh, gender confusion. And what is this doing? It's undermining the very essential foundations of any society, which is the family. Societies are built on families, and particularly the married man, who is a protective, providing father and husband, is the bedrock and backbone of any society. In any economic society, it's not the um, fly-by-night Rambo Lone Ranger, ride off into the sunset, wild geese type characters who sustain the economy, the people paying the bonds and the rents and the rates and who are building the society up uh, tend to be the men who get married and who are faithful to the wife and who are raising the next generation. They are the ones who get most established and they, they build homes and they invest in the community, not just money, but time. And, and that's the backbone of any uh, economic system is the father. But now the very policies of the secular humanists, the leftists, the progressives and the Marxists is a war against males, a war against fathers, a war against husbands and a continual breaking down of the family unit so that the end result is that you have men uh, either out of work or uh, into drugs and into pornography and being destroyed and uh, some of them is so young, never even get a chance to get into work. In our country, every single year, there are hundreds of thousands of people graduating from the universities and high schools who've got no chance of getting employment. And so many of them graduate to go into street crime and gangs. They have destroyed futures. And, and of course, by campaigning for abortion, the pro-choices are destroying their descendants. They're aborting the future. They're aborting, aborting their own futures. And the inevitable result of, of mass abortion is a growing aging population and a shrinking tax base. And a healthy tax, uh, healthy society demographically is where you've got a wide, uh, almost pyramid-like system where you've got a lot of young people and uh, it's, it's going up through productive and to uh, tapering off as you get to the older. But in fact, in Europe, you're seeing almost an inverted pyramid. We're getting an aging population with a shrinking tax support base. Because bringing foreign welfare addicts isn't exactly helping the tax base. It's in fact adding to the tax burden for society. And then you consider education. The secular humanist progressive leftist attempts to secularize education is almost a veiled attempt to kill God by eradicating him from the classroom and eradicating God from the minds of the next generation. And leftists, by eliminating the Bible 
as a textbook and as the basis for all knowledge, they're removing the very foundation of truth. Secularists are prohibiting the only objective standard by which reality can be evaluated. Now, the Bible we warned in Colossians 2 verse 8, beware lest anyone cheat you through deceptive philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of this world and not according to Christ. And so we see how the very education system being uh, propagated by the state is undermining the very basis of society. And it has been well said that the philosophy of the classroom in this generation inevitably becomes the philosophy of the government in the next generation. And we need to know that education is super important. And right now, what we're doing is we are heading our schools into what Martin Luther warned that they could become wide gates to hell. And you can see how so many of the Marxists come out of the universities because they're being taught critical race theory, all part of the Frankfurt School of, of Marxism, Marxizing the inner man. And many of these universities, which started off thoroughly Christian, many universities having the fear of the law as a beginning of wisdom over the arch uh, entering into the universities. And yet today you see terrible discrimination against even Christian students, let alone lecturers. So we can see that undermined the very foundations of society. It's economic suicide, and it's, it's like casino capitalism. But more than that, you just think of feminism. Now, feminism's got nothing to do with femininity. In fact, it's anti-femininity. Uh, we're very pro-femininity, but uh, feminism is anti-femininity. It's, it's, in fact, as the feminists themselves have said, they, they're building this on a Marxist dialectic, and their goal is to turn women into lesbians and a true a feminist needs to be a lesbian and uh, that a true feminist will not be a uh, stay-at-home mother, bring up the next generation, so on. They, they're hostile to it. So by promoting feminism and by forcing women into the workplace to pay increasing taxes to the state, the humanists and the secularists have greatly increased the abuse of women. Now, they claimed that they were doing this to stop the abuse of women, but women were more respected and better protected back under the old traditional conservative system of the man being the provider, the man being the wage earner, uh, the man being the protector of the family, and the woman being basically generally stay at home and raising next generation. And now you look at how so many women are being abused in the workplace and are forced out of the home, which many would prefer to be in raising their children instead of putting them in daycare, in order to pay increasingly demanding taxes. Now, bear in mind, at the beginning of the 20th century, Taxes were somewhere in the 2, 3, 4%. And uh, today it's more like in the 30, 40 and more percent. And so there's been a deliberate attempt to increase taxes on families to force the woman into the workplace so that the state then has more of a chance to influence the next generation through daycare instead of the parents uh, to bring up the children in their standards. And so the abuse of women has seldom in history been worse than just today. I mean, honestly, if you just think in terms of rapes and abuse and sexual harassment in the workplace, women were more protected under the nuclear family system of the past than they are under this present system where in the name of women's rights, feminism has actually led to increasing abuse of women to one of the worst states ever. I don't know that women have ever been as disrespected and abused. And of course, the pornography industry is just part of that. 
And those who believe the lie of safe sex, who sow sex education and promote promiscuity, well, what you sow is what you reap. If they sow sex education and promote promiscuity, inevitably they'll reap the consequence of sexually transmitted diseases like gonorrhea and herpes and syphilis and AIDS. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. And promiscuity and perversion are health hazards. And it's extraordinary that the leftists are continuing to promote promiscuity and pornography and perversion and legalized prostitution, all of which are serious health hazards, not only biologically, but of course mentally and socially as well. And then you think of the situation ethics, which erodes the very ethical foundations of a society. Humanism and leftists' agendas reject the law of God, and instead they vigorously promote situation ethics, amorality, existentialism, hedonism, pornography, homosexuality, gender confusion, comprehensive sexuality education, which is nothing but pornography, and abortion. Well, the Bible's clear, no fornicator, no unclean person, no covetous man who's an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Those people who promote open borders dramatically increase taxes, destabilize society, and escalate crime. It's national suicide. Open borders normally means we need increased taxes to pay the welfare for these people coming in with their huge families, multiple wives, and so on. So our wives are forced to go out and work, put their kids in daycare, and so that we can pay for people who hate us and would like to kill us and would like to destroy our whole system and who reject the common law of England and the monarchy and all the rest of it. They've got to come in, uh, and we've got to support them, and we get taxed and they get the benefits. This is economic suicide. It's also demographic suicide. Those who promote diversity, diversity, inevitably sow the seeds for greater intolerance and greater violent clashes because promoting multiculturalism always promotes demographic suicide of the host nation and the death of its culture and the death of its people. In fact, you just think of, of homogeneous countries, how stable they are and how multicultural countries are places of riots and violence and terrorism and beheadings and all sorts of things which wouldn't have even been imaginable under the more stable place where countries were more homogeneous. And so uh, we can see this everywhere from Switzerland to France. And uh, why would one want to commit demographic suicide? Exodus 23 verse 33 has a verse which I don't hear quoted much in this context, but it should be. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. That's from Exodus 23, verse 33. And so the Bible forbids one to allow those of other races, cultures, nationalities, religions to come in to your nation. Because biblically, a nation is an ethno-linguistic people group of a shared faith. And you don't have a nation when you are bringing in multiculturalism into faith diversity, what that's doing is actually destroying the distinctives and the foundations and the stability and the cohesion and loyalty and good neighborliness of that nation. But this is what feeds the leftist agenda because they bring in vast amounts of other people who live off your welfare and attack, kill, rape, murder, terrorize, behead your people, burn, loot, destroy, and so on and uh, swear and curse and everything else and and 
pollute and litter and destroy your monuments and pull down your monuments. No, what's this going to do? Ultimately, this is going to result in uh, even the most patient people will have a breaking point. And at a certain point, there's going to be serious clash. And instead of have fighting against racism and tensions and having stability, this exacerbates racism and clashes and violence and leads to more instability. And what's the solution? Well, left to say, bring in more people from cultures that hate everything you stand for and would like to behead you and burn your churches and turn them into mosques and things like this. So basically what you can see is demographic suicide, national suicide. And for those who want to point out the obvious and state the truth, they come up with censoring free speech. And they do this by promoting what they call hate speech laws, which is actually just promoting censorship and increased intolerance. Truth does not fear investigation. And the Bible says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. But instead, we've got George Orwellian 1984 thought police who are deplatforming, vaporizing, and having disappeared down the memory hole any alternative opinion to censor any objection to their suicidal, insane, counterproductive policies. Then you think of centralized corruption. Those people who champion centralized government, what are they promoting? Inefficiency, wastage, corruption, and oppression. The Bible says we should hate evil, love good, establish justice in the gates. That's Amos 5.15. But those people advocating centralized government are advocating something that's not only unbiblical, but it's unworkable, and it's always been a disaster. Centralized government in the Bible is epitomized by the Tower of Babel. We know how that ended. And Nineveh and the pyramid structure of Pharaoh's Egypt, uh, top down. Well, the biblical form is decentralization, which is more seen in, in such as Switzerland, where uh, it's decentralized uh, power and authority. And what we can see here is that centralized government leads to greater inefficiency, greater wastage, greater corruption, more oppression, and it's the very opposite of what anyone should want. And now you've got a new group called Defund the Police. Well, what's Defund the Police promoting? Well, even worse rights, more looting, more chaos. Inevitably, it'll lead to vigilantism, which is not ideal because justice must be done. It must be seen to be done. Justice must be done promptly. And uh, if justice is not being done promptly, it encourages vigilantism where people take the law into their own hands out of frustration. And inevitably, there's going to be some injustice there because if you don't have your day in court an opportunity for uh, cross-examining the witness, the first to present his case seems right until another stands up and, and cross-examines him. So it's so important that we have a government that is uh, seeing the justice done promptly. But of course, if you're going to promote lawlessness and defund the police, you're going to have a situation where people will go for vigilantism, which will sometimes help and many times uh, be maybe hasty because it doesn't have the benefits of a calm, rational day in the courtroom where all sides can uh, iron sharpens and bring the facts in open discussion. Then you get devaluing life itself. Those promoting pornography, legalized pornography, legalized prostitution, so on, they're actually increasing gender-based violence and the devaluing of all human life. And we should value life and we should respect life. And there's no dignity in pornography and in prostitution. And yet the left continually promote that. Now, you would have thought that at least in the line of 
of uh, respecting women and uh, uh, protecting people's integrity and their human dignity, you would oppose pornography and prostitution. But no, every policy the left promotes increases, aggravates and creates the very problems that they want to complain about later. But we should choose life so that you and your descendants may live. By undermining the sanctity of marriage and the sanctity of life and private ownership of property and freedom of speech and freedom of thought and freedom of association and freedom of movement and freedom of religion, secular humanists, leftists, socialists and progressives, they inevitably undermine the essential foundations for a free, prosperous and productive society. Instead of building on a rock, they're building on the sand. And humanism is a self-destructive philosophy and secular humanism, liberalism, well, as the Bible says, evil shall slay the wicked. It is incredibly short-sighted and self-destructive. Even when you look at the environmental degradation, the selfishness and short-sightedness of modern society has seen the litter-ridden, graffiti-vandalized communities and pollution-afflicted areas, along with the importation of vast amounts of people from the third world who hate Britain and hate your laws and hate your people and hate your God, uh, you're seeing vast amounts of litter and graffiti. And I was shocked to go to London to see how much graffiti and vandalism and looting and uh, pollution and litters there in, in London, you know, which it used to be a clean capital. This is just disgusting. The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, the world and all who dwell therein. And we should also say a word about the entertainment, the superficial, sensational, immoral material predominating on the Hollywood screens and in the Bolshevik Broadcasting Corporation and the modern entertainment industry, it's producing an increasingly superficial, selfish, mindless, immoral society. The Bible says whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. That's in Philippians 4 verse 8. So plainly, uh, Every problem we can think of from economics, ethics, education, all of it, from crime and punishment, uh, whether you are considering uh, the education situation, whether you're considering the borders, whatever the issue is, from pornography, gender confusion, uh, through to prostitution, gambling and so on, on every single issue, I challenge our listeners to find an exception. The leftist agendas create the very problems that they complain about. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you very much, Peter. And um, I made a note that you said about how um, socialism is legalised theft and thus it's blasphemous. And it drew me to uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 to 30, the parable of the talents. And uh, mm. what can you tell us about that, Peter? Is this relevant here? It certainly is, because, you know, uh, when you think of people talking about how we must have redistribution of wealth, well, our Lord Jesus, uh, his way was he took away from the unproductive and gave more to the productive. That's the way the Lord redistributed wealth. He, he said, you know, the one who hid his talent in the ground, the one who didn't use it, well, he was judged, and even the little he had was taken away from him and given to the one who's productive, who showed uh, initiative and who showed hard work and faithfulness and diligence and was a good steward of the resources and trust him. So nowhere in the Bible do we get encouraging of laziness, quite the contrary. 
or of irresponsibility or of vice. And yet, what are we doing? We are going to a society where many people have to work extremely hard, but most of the benefit of their labor is confiscated through these taxes and is given to those who are lazy, indolent, or worse, uh, and are involved in vice, so that now your hard-earned money might go to pay for abortions or for prostitutes or for gambling or for a whole lot of things that you would be completely against, like drugs and um, smoking, drunkenness, whatever, things that you would have thought, well, that's not exactly bread and butter issues for somebody who's who's starving. Uh, These are luxuries uh, um, and vices, actually. So why is it that we are going the exact opposite direction of all biblical norms and standards? And yes, the the parable of the talents is a very good example. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. Yes, this is the important thing, and this is why I don't see any political solutions to the problems in the world today. The only solution is to turn back to God. And if you turn back to God, the laws are all there. You know, that is the thing. It's there. And people will no longer be... I mentioned this on uh, yesterday's show with Dr. Matthew Raphael Johnson. Uh, Man cannot be trusted to make law. Look at the mess that they've made of this planet in the last hundred years alone. Uh, Absolutely destroyed it. And it's because of the corruption of certain people uh, that we've got in the situation that we're in. I, I, jealous is the wrong word, but people that were born in, say, the uh, 1940s and they still got to see some semblance of a, a society in which uh, uh, God was revered and uh, Christianity was taught in the schools and all these different things. They lived in a clean world. It wasn't, as Peter said, covered in litter and graffiti. People, you know, would clean up after themselves. And now we're in a world that's just a complete mess and that's been because of people changing laws to suit their agenda the laws are all there in the bible and what we need is a situation a bit like the uh, constitution in america but on the bible that says these are the laws and any man who tries to change any of them will be guilty of blasphemy uh, which is a capital Mm. offense and until that comes into play then you won't have Uh, politicians running against each other I'm going to do this I'm going to do that all they're going to do is what God told us to do and the reason that they'll be elected or deselected will be on the basis of whether they're able to achieve that or not and so the person who achieves it the best will be the person in charge and so they won't be presidents they will be administrators they will be administrators of God's law and we've seen with the uh, election of Brexit the election of Trump And currently we're recording this on Wednesday and I can see already that there's a vote fraud being called out in America by Trump. And the BBC's main headline at this very time is Trump. US vote goes to wire as Trump falsely claims fraud. We know there's fraud. We've been talking (laughs) about it for weeks, but the mainstream media don't talk about it because they're involved in the fraud. Um, Mm. It's fraud to try and put a guy called Joe Biden, who's clearly suffering from advanced stages of senile dementia, who's a complete crook, based by all accounts, that the media don't report on, who had in the debate with President Trump an earpiece in and some sort of unit that he was wearing so he could be broadcast what to say. And then when the picture goes up, that gets censored off Facebook and the mainstream media again don't report it. 
this is all fraud this is all man going against god this is all lies and we unfortunately are not capable of writing laws for ourselves the laws are there and that's where we need to go forward back to you peter yes i can see that very much so for example when you've got uh, news anchors announcing that something is fake news or fraud or not true uh, how does he know so the president of america said there has been fraud in this election well i don't doubt it there's a lot of evidence there was a lot of fraud in previous elections they know many cases of the dead voting multiple times uh, we know of cases of ballot stuffing and of uh, fraud and postal votes so uh, just uh, how can some news anchor immediately uh, pronounce judgment on an accusation that's been made which is quite rational actually because there could well be fraud. In fact, it's almost inevitable and quite a lot's already come out. But just to see how uh, it reminds me of uh, what was it, a year ago when Notre Dame was burning and the French president, Macron, announced that they'd ruled out any possibility of terrorism. This was an accident. Now, the fire was still blazing and the firefighters were still fighting it. No forensics had taken place. And as somebody who worked in a fire brigade, uh, I know how long it could take to do proper forensics and determine whether it was an insurance fire, as we would call fraud, uh, whether it was an arson case, accidental, and so on. Uh, you, you can't come out with a quick judgment. And it, a president uh, such as Macron was not in a position to make a judgment call like that. The investigators hadn't even begun. They were still putting out the fire. How could he make a blanket statement, we've ruled out terrorism? In fact, considering the fact that hundreds of churches in France were burned in the year preceding it, and hundreds since. Uh, it's part of a pattern. Terrorism is the most likely answer. Arson is uh, overwhelmingly the most likely answer. And yet the president announced in the case of France that no, Notre Dame was not terrorism, it was an accident. And so uh, here you've got the media. The moment something is said, instead of investigating or just letting iron shop and iron uh, let, you know, let the truth be found out in the public marketplace of ideas, they pronounce a judgment, but worse than that, they deplatform. So, for example, I heard that uh, the Sosa had brought out the film Trump Card 2020, and I want to see this film. Do you think I could see it? I tried online about 12 different links. Everyone came up, this has been removed because it violates community standards. Oh, how I wish they would remove pornography off the website, but somehow another... Uh, something which gives a pro-Trump, anti-Biden, pro-Republican against a Democrat position is deplatformed because it violates community standards. Whose community standards? This is censorship. And when I was growing up, I was blissfully unaware of blasphemy, pornography, and uh, all the vulgarities that's in Hollywood because everything would be censored out. So I would never hear swear words and... Uh, see uh, gratuitous sex and nudity and all that stuff in movies and a lot of the, the, the vulgar blood splattering uh, violence that they put into films because in Rhodesia and South Africa, they edited that out. And at the time, I do remember, uh, as I became more conscious of it, that the left were screaming blue murder against the government of South Africa and Rhodesia, censoring these things, which as adults, we've got the right to see. And uh, uh, only after 94, when Mandela abolished our censorship, did I suddenly see what we'd been protected from? And I was delighted that I was brought up in a society where they censored out exploitative nudity, 
violence, gratuitous sex and obscenities, vulgarities and blasphemies. Uh, we don't need it. In fact, those things only ruin films. And there's some films that I had a very good memory of. And I thought, oh, yes, let's see this film. And I see the film now and it's, oh, well, I couldn't have possibly missed all that. It just is that we had all those obnoxious things censored out. So what a great film it was when you didn't have any of the blasphemy and so on in it. And uh, what a horrible thing it is now. Now I don't want it in our shelves. We won't have it in our home. We won't have it in our library um, and uh, so on. Uh, because uh, now I see that they've ruined the film by putting in all those evil things. But isn't it interesting? The very leftists who screamed against censorship when it was against blasphemy, nudity, violence, and, and uh, gratuitous sex, they are the ones who are now censoring a different political opinion or social opinion or the gospel. Um, it, it's just extraordinary hypocrisy. So we've got censorship now worse than ever before, but instead of censoring exploitative things, they are now censoring uh, things that are just a different opinion from that which is politically correct. To me, we fall into the trap that George Orwell warned us about in 1984. We have thought police today. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you very much, Peter. And uh, what you were saying there reminded me of a couple of things you've mentioned on our previous shows together. Firstly, I believe that you said that um, Notre Dame uh, Cathedral was the most visited historical site in Europe. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. Not just France, all of Europe. There you go. And the other thing, I think that you said once that uh, you'd actually seen the film Dirty Harry with all of these uh, things cut out of it. Is that correct? Yes, I, I, was, no, I was shocked later uh, as an adult in my 20s to suddenly see that, uh, actually I was in my 30s when I saw it with, with the, all, all of that back in, that, oh dear, it's got pretty foul language and some unnecessary garbage. And, and it, it didn't make the film better, it made it worse. So uh, I, I was grateful I was brought up in a more protected environment in the old South Africa. Yes, and the other thing I want to go to now is something that we haven't covered on this show, but I think it's very, very um, applicable. Uh, this is recently, I've gone to a Daily Mail article, 21st of October. Pope Francis endorses same-sex civil unions, saying homosexuals are children of God and have the right to be in a family. And this is part of a feature-length documentary entitled Francesco, which premiered at the Rome Film Festival on the 21st of October of this year. Now, we know what the Bible says about homosexuality. It doesn't say it's a sin, it says it's an abomination and it's a capital crime. So how can you have the most famous um, religious leader in the world saying that it's okay? He's obviously committing blasphemy himself, is he not, uh, Peter? Oh, on so many levels, yes. Of course, um, uh, the, the, we used to have a, a joke where we'd say, is the Pope Catholic, which an answer would normally be, of course. Well, no longer is that true because Pope Francis is anti-Catholic. He's repudiating even Catholic positions. I'm a Protestant, so it's not like I'm pro-Catholicism, but I think Catholics must be absolutely outraged to have this Marxist liberation theologian uh, from South America propagating Marxism in the guise of Roman Catholicism. Uh, this, this man, to think that Pope Francis had the opportunity to speak to the joint sittings of, of Congress and the Senate in the United States back in the days of Obama, and he didn't quote the scripture, he didn't pray, he didn't give the gospel, he didn't even give the Ten Commandments, 
he dealt with the need for open borders and the LGBTQ agenda. I mean, Pope Francis is an absolute disgrace. Never has an opportunity been afforded someone who is meant to be a minister of the gospel to preach to a worse bunch of sinners than the whole of the Congress and the, and the Senate. And he doesn't even present the gospel or not even the law of God. He just presents them with a total leftist agenda, which I think every Marxist in the world would have said uh, hearty amen or whatever their uh, secular alternative is for that. So yeah, Pope Francis is a complete and utter false prophet. Uh, he is a false teacher. He is a false shepherd. Uh, he is a Marxist in disguise of a Pope. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. And I think it's now worth in the last few minutes touching on the American election simply because as we're recording this, it looks like it's going to go down to the wire. And uh, as I said, uh, you know, they're saying Trump's already saying that um, there's fraud going on. And so this isn't going to be sorted out in the next couple of days. So let's uh, see what um, the current situation. It certainly seems to be that they stopped vote counting in certain key areas so there's something nefarious going on there and uh, it looks like uh, they want to get Biden in at all costs and they've got the mainstream media firmly in their pocket as they always do because the mainstream media uh, funny enough I, I mentioned on David Duke's show yesterday a BBC article saying how oh RT articles are all anti Biden and pro-Trump and it's not fair and I've never read anything pro-Trump on a, the BBC either before or since he was elected president it's astonishing mm. and yet they still come out and say these sorts of things uh, they are the Bolshevik Broadcasting Corporation if we see I don't like a lot of Trump's policies but it, again it's unfortunate to say because you know we should not vote for evil. But in a situation that we're facing ourselves or our, our, our brothers and sisters in America are facing, you've got potentially someone who can be elected that's going to get rid of all free speech, that's going to close down any dissenting views. There's so many things. We haven't got enough time in the show to say what this far left, they're not Democrats, they're communists, this communist agenda that mm. they've got planned and they will implement if they get into power. Um, and so really Trump is just a, a kind of delaying tactic. Um, what are your thoughts on this election and the potential if it does go to Biden, Peter? Yes, uh, I'm encouraged by the fact that uh, Donald Trump has managed to, despite all the uh, obstacles against him, win Florida, Texas, uh, Ohio, Iowa, a lot of swing states have gone his way against uh, initial predictions. There's no doubt there is fraud. Uh, there's no doubt there's a pathological hatred by the left of Donald Trump, no doubt because he's called out their fake news as fake news. And he's spoken about the deep state, which I don't think anyone has made the deep state better known than he has. So uh, for those reasons alone, um, uh, Donald Trump is, of course, hated pathologically by the left. And uh, there's no doubt that the left has been involved in tremendous amount of fraud in the past. It's it's so well known that in the days of Clinton and Obama, there were whole cemeteries of corpses voting. Uh, there was vast amounts of double voting and multiple voting by the same individuals. There was fraud and there's been millions of illegal aliens voting, particularly in, in uh, states like California, uh, where they have a policy of not even questioning whether the person's a proper registered voter or not. So 
uh, I've got no doubt that there is a huge amount of fraud and there was a large amount of fraud in the 2016 election and ones going back to the 90s. So fraud in the American election has been huge. And it's extraordinary that Trump still managed to win despite all the, the fraud under the, the Clinton, uh, uh, Hillary Clinton attempts in 2016. So uh, I think that it's, it's quite right that they should challenge us and I think it needs to be exposed. But there's something else. And um, there was uh, an expert in uh, media who uh, gave an interview on Fox News with Tucker Carlson just a few nights ago, where he said that the censorship by the big tech media has been absolutely astonishing. And he calculates that 15 million votes have been passed over to uh, Biden's campaign, Biden-Harris, by the big tech's uh, um, prejudice and censorship. They have been censoring tweets and posts and um, promos for uh, Trump, no end. They've been redirecting people in search engines very dishonestly to the Democrat campaign endlessly, and he documented all this. And just one example, I was very interesting to, interested to see Denise D'Souza's Trump card 2020 film, uh, which apparently really exposes the deceit and the corruption and the fraud of the Democrat agenda and the Biden-Harris ticket. And... Uh, uh, so Trump card 2020, I tried 12 different links. Everyone came up with, this has been removed uh, due, because it um, violates community stance. Well, whose community stance? Not mine. And uh, uh, how come these people cannot deal with pornography, but they can somehow deal with a different opinion? So there's no doubt there's been colossal uh, media interference, bias, censorship, misdirecting, disinformation, in addition to that, I think there's been completely illegal um, uh, voter fraud because 97 million people pre-voted by postal vote or earlier. Uh, this is unprecedented. This is unheard of. And bear in mind that when Austria had an election a few years ago, the Nationalist Freedom Party and the Socialist Party were in a race. And at the last minute, by postal votes alone, the Socialist candidate won uh, this for the presidency. The the uh, Supreme Court in Austria threw the results out and, and ordered a complete new election because they said that the, the uh, postal votes were so, substantially altered the results of the election and they were disproportionately only for the Socialist Party and there was no real way of telling whether these were genuine uh, legitimate votes. There was no real security. So they ordered a revote, and the Nationalist Party won Austria as a result of the revote. So Austria... Um, uh, showed uh, and the Supreme Court proved that fraud was involved in the postal voting. How can we be so sure that there's no fraud involved in the American election? Now, back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. And the other thing I was looking at as well, which is um, I've seen that there's been some scuffles in uh, in Washington, D.C., around the White House between Trump supporters and uh, Biden supporters, what have you. Um but fortunately, we haven't seen the um, you know wide-scale riots that many of us feared. As I say, this is um, this is oh, only Wednesday. That, that'll come. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you know, I mention that now, and I hope that you know that really um, 
you know, that, that, that situation stays the same. But obviously with uh, Trump already declaring victory and then saying he's going to go to the Supreme Court, that is going to rile people up. That is what the communists and the leftists want. And that is what you've all got to be so careful of and with your own security out in America. So please stay safe wherever you are. And if you do have any fears of things going on and you've got a place that is safer that you can go to, just do that. Because we've seen what's been happening earlier in the years with these so-called BLM riots. And I believe that they were just a warm-up for what they had planned for this election in the same way that the COVID lockdowns were just a warm-up for the lockdowns they've got taking place all around the world today. Peter, before we go, can you let the audience know where they can find your work? Yes, certainly. Um, you can email me, peter at frontline.org.za, peter at frontline.org.za. Our, our website is frontlinemissionsa.org. So frontline mission one word with SA, short for South Africa.org. So if you go onto our Frontline Mission SA.org website, you'll see links to video presentations, Reformation Society, things that we're doing, news articles, including on on um, article on US elections and things like this, and uh, what's going on in Africa. Uh, bear in mind that uh, this upcoming uh, Sunday, uh, Sunday the 8th of November, is International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. And uh, the second Sunday in November, we always uh, urge people not only to remember those who have fallen in the wars, but to remember those who are in the wars right now um, for the faith, those people who are being persecuted for the faith in 67 countries. So 400 million Christians in the world today are living under governments that persecute them. And uh, we've got updates and information on that on our Frontline Mission SA.org website. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you so much, Peter. Fantastic information as always. Folks, you have been listening to the real story of how leftists create the very problems they complain about. I want to thank all of you for listening. I will, of course, be back with you all tomorrow. And until then, folks, have a wonderful day and bye for now.